0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDST.
1: So it turns out that all the predators need to have their success is don't go to concerts and don't have fun. No No, fun allowed. No vacations ever. No vacations. No having fun. No going to concerts. When you go to Vegas, you come to win on the hockey rink. Welcome to Catfish on Ice. This is episode two twenty one with your hosts Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. We are back. Had a couple weeks off. I was in Puerto Rico this past week, and it was a beautiful. Beautiful island, had a great time. But I'm very happy to be back. We'll be talking preds. I've had a lot of catching up to do with this team, but the preds have rewarded me with wins over the blues and the Vegas Golden Knights last night. Yep. Max, how you doing, my man?
0: I'm good. Yeah, I'm ready to get back into it. It's been a few weeks off, but I will say I've been busy lately with just things work life all kinds of stuff but hey we're keeping the grind going it never stops and like you said no fun ever allowed just work and that's all that matters
1: no fun allowed for the prez they they can't go to concerts anymore it's not allowed i mean we're gonna get into it for the opening face-off of tonight's episode but arguably i'm not saying it's the best game they've played all season but it's up there
0: It, uh, it it was up there Absolutely. It was
1: very. It was very clear from the opening face-off that this team was not messing around. They were ready to play. I'll give you. I'll give you the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights were on a back-to-back. They were tired. They looked tired. They're depleted. They have a lot of injuries they're dealing with right now, as we know. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that the Preds played their game. They didn't take a period off when they had that two-goal lead. I was extremely um, suspect that they were going to give that lead up, but they won. They took care of business, so we're going to break that game down. Uh, a lot to get into tonight for episode 221 of Catfish nice we're glad you were, you're with us on our YouTube channel. Hit subscribe below if you're not subscribing already. It helps a lot. And get in on the live episode. Also, if you're watching on X, hit follow and comment on the episode. We've already got our, our friend ShashkaDuke Tiger uh, commenting. Hi, guys. Hope y'all are doing well. We hope you're well as well. And also puts on there, He sees they see a comment coming up. Yossi passed Rene. Never. Yossi will never even pass Suban. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that. So, thank you, ShashkaDuke Tiger. Um, we are going to talk about Roman Yossi. And we, we've always said that Pecorine is the undisputed goat of the press franchise. I mean, if you put a poll out there, it would be 99.9% probably that would say it's Pecorine. He's the goat. Easily. If not. <laughs> but how close, how close? if ever will Roman Yossi come to passing Pecorine in that conversation? I think it's a fair question. I do.
0: I mean, as of now, he definitely has more work to do, but, I mean, you never – I can tell you one thing, though. Yossi has four more years on his contract, and assuming he plays till the end, which he has a no-movement clause – I mean, we're kind of going into a tangent here – but assuming he still is a really good player, the the reception, his send-off, is going to be pretty similar to what Pekka got in his last game.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, Pekka has a statue – I don't know if Roman Yossi ever gets a statue unless he wins this franchise the Stanley Cup, especially considering he's a captain. And I think we're going to get into it more later. But um, that's going to be another topic for later in this episode. Just stay tuned for that. Also, we got to talk about our Milwaukee Admirals. And, I, you know, I see this all the time. Thank you, Nikki, for jumping in on YouTube. Hey. She says, hey, y'all. What's up, Nikki? Appreciate you. Love you. Also, our friend Matt jumps in on X and says, Max. Hey. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining. Um, I see this all the time sometimes on social media. Some fans, like maybe it's the casuals out there. They get mad when we talk about the Admirals. It's like, why are we talking about a minor league team? Well, in hockey, that's your future. These are We're talking about players who are hopefully going to be the players that can get this franchise their first Stanley cup one day. And so it is exciting when you see your minor league team winning 17 straight hockey games. I don't historic. care. If I don't care if we're talking rec league. I don't care if we're talking about the local YMCA and a team has won 17 straight. That is pretty significant.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I literally just said, that's historic streak. And I mean, and like you said, that's literally the Pred's future right there is these guys. So how as a fan, as an, as an avid fan of the Predators, how could you not want to keep up with the
1: Admirals? So in our future segment on this episode to stay tuned for, we are going to talk about as a GM, how to, how do you balance that? That is a hard thing to deal with. And I've never really thought about it until this season, the Admirals have always been a quality team. And I've always known that Carl Taylor deserves an NHL head coaching job. We've known that work. for a while yeah. now, but to, to really see what the Admirals are doing right now is, like you said just now, Max, it's a, it, it really is historic. And how do you balance that as a as Barry trots right now? Because you don't want to disrupt that, but in the end, your job is to field the best nhl roster you can so how do you how do you balance that we're going to talk about that because the trade deadline is coming up right on us here and if the preds do sell heavy for the second straight year like a lot of people expect are going to happen and want to happen well then you have no choice you have to pull some of these key players from milwaukee because you have to field a roster. You can't just like pull the hot dog vendor and the <laughs> Zamboni driver uh to play to play on your team, even though that would be very interesting in and of itself. So we're gonna talk about that. Also, what else do we have? I think that's everything that I have. Oh, yeah. Best trade deadline acquisitions yeah. in Preds history. It's a short list. We have a lot of historians that watch this podcast, including our friend Johnny, who a lot of times he cannot make the live shows, but he always comments afterwards. So Johnny, um, who does his prediction videos on YouTube, and you need to look him up. He's awesome. Doesn't he does a live reaction episode after every Preds game. He's awesome. He's a good person. We love him to death. He's a great Preds historian. Um, we need him for this uh, for this segment here. But we're gonna do prep best trade deadline acquisitions in Preds history. Basically, this breaks down to best in-season trades because when I say trade deadline acquisitions, it's leading up to the trade deadline. It's not always right at the trade deadline. Also, the Preds historically have not been a very active team at the trade deadline. Also got to say, as an interesting nugget, we use cap friendly, or I did, and there's not a lot of other better options out there when it comes to doing research like this, unless you're really an insider. And I can just tell you right now, the Preds have never been a very active team at the trade deadline. So, but we do have some players to talk about. We'll tie that into what we think the Preds are going to do. Even though we've talked about a lot already, we'll talk about what we think the Preds are going to do in like two weeks from now, basically like a little over two weeks from now is when the deadlines here. Um, and we'll do some Titans talk as well. I'm going to ask Max about Derek Henry, who everyone thinks is going to leave and I get it. And he probably is going to be gone, but I want to get his latest thoughts on what Derek Henry would cost to keep him and where he, where he, where he sides on that. And yep. so that'll be a fun way to end the episode. Cause we are going to start, be start talking more Titans on this podcast as well. So as you know, we've been off a couple weeks, and we have plenty to get into. We got our friend uh, John on YouTube. He says, "Let's go ads." I love oh, all the all the passion that the Preds fan base shows for our minor league team, the Admirals. It's always been there. Uh, Matt on on X says, the again." He says the ads are a wagon. They are. I mean, anytime you win 17 straight games, that's crazy. And, of course, if you really want to think about it, Max, Mark Jankowski is their leading point scorer right now, and he's playing for the Preds right now. He is. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And But, you know, depending on how – of course, the, if the Preds set the deadline, they could be shorthanded. But depending on how it all plays plays out, he could go back. And and Dennis Gurionov, who was, one of, who was, I think, the point scorer, who knows, they might put him on waivers. And assuming he doesn't get claimed, he probably goes back to the Admiral. So who knows? There's a lot of ways this all could play out, but – Bottom line is the Admirals are on a near historic pace right now. And yeah, like you said, it just cannot be ignored.
1: Yeah, definitely. For sure. So let's let's start. Let's start with um, talking about what the Preds just did in Vegas. It was the story all week long about... The Preds, it broke during the Blues game against the Blues, which the Preds got a good win there, but it broke there about the Preds were supposed to go see U2 in concert before they went to go play Vegas. They had a couple day days off, and <clears throat> that concert got canceled because guess what? We all know the Predators are – they're not going to be confused for a team that strings together – multiple wins in a row and plays well consistently. So Andrew Burnett has been one of those coaches that doesn't mince words. He's very candid in his post-game remarks. I appreciate that. I think that's refreshing. Do I think that everything's gone according to plan this year? No. But I love the fact that Andrew Burnett has no filter when it comes to calling out his, his team when they don't play well. And so you can make your jokes all you want. And it is kind of funny that they didn't get to go to a concert, but how they played against Vegas last night is how this team should be playing every yeah. night. And that means even if they play that way, they might lose sometimes, but we need to see that same effort every game.
0: Yeah. And basically where I was with that whole thing with, you know, cause last week was a really terrible week. We had a bad practice on Monday where Bruno was really reportedly not happy. People were saying he was he was swearing at the players the whole time. And then Tuesday night, they come back. They didn't play a great game at home. Then Thursday, they lose 9-2 to at home to the Dallas Stars. And after that, it's just like, look, I don't care if it's a win or if it's a loss. I want to see the team play hockey. I want to see them play good hockey up and down the ice and show that they can respond and that, they're not just going to fall apart and crumble that no they're going to come back because and, and let's be real you know it last week was a pretty rough week but one bad week does not you know just because you have one bad week because he's calling out the players good but it doesn't mean that you know you've lost team or the locker room it's an 82 game season and you know things are going to happen but it's all about how you respond and the the preds absolutely responded well and they played like and you said at the beginning of the episode you know it's hard to You'll look at it and say that, you know, oh, it's the best game of the year. But that was one of the better and more complete games I thought I saw all year. And that second period we had last night, we were entirely in their zone, it felt like. And that was honestly one of the more dominant 20 minutes of hockey I've seen this team play all year.
1: Definitely. I mean, let's give some love to Cole Smith. We have some uh, we have our friend Landry and then some other friends on. uh on social media who wants to talk about cole smith um always the punching bag of the fan base but also has a very strong segment of fans who love him cole smith gets a goal the dude always works hard we know that we always know he grinds this was a game where the top line did not have to carry the team Philip forsberg didn't get a goal ryan o'reilly didn't score a goal uh Gus Nyquist got an empty net goal, which was a sweet goal. I I got to give him credit. It was a good goal, but still an empty netter. But you look at the goals from the Preds, it was, first of all, Cody Glass gets a redemption goal against the franchise that gave up on him. What'd you think about that, Max?
0: That was a great shot. And I was so happy when he scored that. I was like, yes, let's go, Cody. It,
1: it, It was, he picked the corner perfectly on Aiden Hill. He did. And let's talk about Aiden Hill for a second. That guy had like a, what, a .93 save percentage coming into this game. Uh, the Golden Knights basically undisputed, undisputed, I would say, they had the best one-two punch in net in the league with Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. And coming into this game, full disclosure, in my lines preview article, I wrote that I thought – I will say this. I thought the Predators were going to play exactly how they played. I thought they were going to have a really strong effort. I wasn't surprised that they came in very hungry and very aggressive. You expect that from a team that gets called out by their head coach. So that part really did not surprise me. What surprised me more was that the Preds bullied the Golden Knights off the puck a lot. The Golden Knights looked stunned early in this game. They couldn't get possession. The Preds owned possession almost the entire early portion of this game, and they got to Aiden Hill. And so yep. full credit goes to uh, Luke Evangelista, who gets the first goal for the Preds of the night. And yep. let's just talk about, let, let's let's zone in on Evangelista for a second. He was the player of the game, in my opinion. That He only scored one goal, but that guy was all over the screen. He would. You could not. If he wasn't. If he wasn't on the bench. If he was on shift on the ice, you could not get away from him. He was all over it. He was all over the puck. He was forcing things to happen. He drew two penalties in this game as well. And that shot to beat Aiden Hill was sniper. Sniper mentality. So a big coming out game for Luke Evangelista.
0: Yeah, and you know about those penalties drawn. You know, he, the only really negative thing that happened to him in this game was he took two penalties in the first period, but then he responds by drawing two penalties. So I think even, that's a
1: product. I think a yeah. lot of that is a product of how aggressive he was playing. Sorry to cut you off there, Max, but, oh good. um, yeah, I think it was a product of how aggressive he was playing. Um, and some of these penalties, uh, it was kind of a trigger happy officiating crew. They, they called a lot of penalties in this game, um, Marcheseau took a penalty. Jonathan Marchusot took a penalty for the Golden Knights that he was not pleased with either. So sometimes you get those games where everything goes and you're begging for something to be called. And then you get games where, you know, they're more willing to call more penalties. But overall, Evangelista was aggressive. And you, you've been waiting to see him do that. I think he responded. Um that 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 goes back to what I was just saying. Andrew Burnett calls out this team. Yeah, he, he's I mean, I know he puts more emphasis on the younger players when it comes to that. I mean, we've seen him healthy scratch players, younger players that we love. And he's got a lot of criticism from the fan base for doing that. We know that Philip Tomasino is now down with the Milwaukee Admirals. That's that's news that we haven't covered since we've been off from the podcast. But yeah, I mean. One thing you can say is these younger players are somewhat responding to this tough love that we like to talk about from Brunette. He yep. doesn't coddle his players at all.
0: No. And, you know, and also a few things I want to say about Brunette. Number one, you know, it, it, I feel like he holds everyone to a high standard, too, in the game again, after the game against Dallas where we lost 9-2. to He mentioned something about saying, I expect more of my, of my leadership group to motivate this team. You know, it, he doesn't just... He doesn't just let his um, his older guys off the hook. He expects it best from everyone. And also, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I've not been a little bit worried about Brunette's approach throughout the year. You know, he is he's been a little rough at times, but here's the thing. And I want to specifically talk about the whole thing with the U2 concert. It's not like he was trying to take time away from these guys' families or anything that was really, really important he took away something that was a luxury. Like that wasn't, that was not anything that they had to do. And I want to tell, I want to talk about something from our good, our friend Johnny, who we talked about, and he was telling me about stuff like that. And he talked about, he heard from Kevin Biexa, who's a former um player, but now a voice on hockey night in Canada. And he said, when you're at home, you know, you respect stuff because of families and stuff, but on road trips, it's a business trip. And if you don't perform well, those bonuses can be taken away. And I think, you know, a lot of people, Especially, you know, I know I can relate from my childhood and of course it's not the same because it's literally my family. But if I didn't do things well, I didn't do things well in school. I didn't yeah. do chores. I get things taken away from me too. And I think a lot of people yeah. are that way and no different, you know, Br- the Brunette and trots saw how these guys played. It was not good enough at all. It was not the standard. And he's accused the guys of being too much back in that vacation mindset from the all-star break. And he's like, you know what? They don't deserve this. They don't deserve this thing they clearly are getting as a luxury. So we're going to take it away from them. And they responded well, the players too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I I love how you put that there, and I agree. Um, Also, um, this is crunch time of the season, and I know there's a lot of fans out there, a large segment of the fan base, majority of the fan base. They want the Preds to sell. They're not interested in playoffs. I get that. But they don't think that way. These players don't think that way. not at all. I don't know. No one knows what Barry Trotz is thinking right now. We're not going to know that until March 8th, probably. Maybe we'll see some trades get fired off before that. It could happen. But all I'm saying is they don't think how the fans think when it comes to that with all due Mm -hmm. respect. It doesn't make the fans wrong. It just means that they're thinking about it a different way. And – Right now, they're focused on winning. I mean, they're, they're still in that same spot they've been in for the last couple of years where they're on the playoff bubble. They have a realistic chance of making the playoffs. In fact, according to moneypuck.com, they have the highest probability of getting that final wildcard spot amongst a lot of very mediocre teams that have flaws just like the Predators do. The Predators just beat the Blues, who are another team. Who are in a very similar situation? You have the Calgary Flames, who've been playing much better lately, but also very flawed. You have the you have the Seattle Kraken, of course, who are very much alive to get a final walk. Cra- it's it's a crapshoot. It very much is a crapshoot. but was, go ahead.
0: You know, I was going to basically say, you know, no matter what, you know, we as fans want to sell or not or whatever. It's these guys' job every night, no matter what your your situation is. It's your job to go out there and play and try and get two points each night. And you know, you do th- you think that, you know, guys like Andrew Brunette and Barry talk to me, like, oh no, we're just gonna think about selling our team? Absolutely not. No, they want they want to win. That's just the reality Absolutely. of the sport. That you know, if you don't if you don't try and win, that affects the culture of your franchise, everything. And no, and here's another thing too, and that affects your perception as a team. No one, no player ever wants to go to a team that's just thinking about the trade <laughs> deadline or whatever. No, these These are prideful athletes and they want to win. And that's how you, like I say, that's how you maintain a culture and the perception of your franchise. And if you don't, if your mind isn't locked into those things, well, like I said, guys are not, players are not going to want to play for your team.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, it sucks to be be stuck in this perpetual playoff bubble atmosphere, but that's just what it is. And so there's reason to be, Still optimistic about the future because you see what the Milwaukee Admirals are doing, which we're going to talk about a little bit later here. But I do want to talk a little bit more about this game because it is a very significant win, a win that a lot of people didn't expect to happen. But Vegas is not the same Vegas team, even though they are the defending cup champs. They don't have Jack Eichel. They're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. And they do have deficiencies. They're not really elite when it comes to any major category and i covered that when i was previewing this matchup i thought that it would be a pretty i thought it was going to be much lower scoring i will say that um but i didn't see the preds breaking out for four goals necessarily and but i thought the preds had a chance in this game only because vegas is not the same um same hardcore team that they were last year they're still going to be good they're still going to be a, a team to deal with in the playoffs but they're already manipulating the LTIR right now. Did you see the news on Mark Stone today, which just came out like an hour before we went live? I didn't see. They're going to be resting him. He's not going to be playing, so they're already trying to manipulate um, their their cap space or whatever leading up, and then they're going to bring Eichel and all of them back perfectly for the playoffs. But um, that's for another discussion. But the point is, Vegas is not some team – I don't put them on the level of Dallas. I don't put them on the level of Edmonton. I don't, I, they're good, but I thought the Preds had an opportunity here to actually be the underdog, but actually do something impressive here. And they lived up to it. And I appreciate that. They did play a very strong game. Late in the game, Kevin Lankin, even though he didn't have to make a ton of saves and he did give up three goals, he came up clutch in some pretty serious he- moments including that sequence where he made like 3 saves bam 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 i don't know if you know the play i'm talking about was it the of the second period it was i can't remember the exact remember moment was, in the it game
0: was the, end of the second period where he really kind of went god mode and, he flashed and the pad before. he flashed
1: yeah. the pad he read the play perfectly vegas was starting to build some some chemistry and some some offensive zone time and we know we know that this Preds team has defensive efficiencies, and it's a pro- some of it is a product of Andrew Burnett's system, which we've talked about before. Um, his system is going to it, it means that you have to be sharp when you get back on defense. You have to be quick. You have to be ready to go. It was not the best game for Dante Fabro. I hate to it was point not. out something. His to first year especially was rough. I hate to point out something negative when it was such a positive game overall, but let's be critical here. Let's talk about both ends of the spectrum. Dante Fabro had a rough game.
0: You he did.
1: I remember one giveaway he had where Kevin Lankinen absolutely bailed him out with the save. He had some other bad moments. And of course, that's what plagues Dante Fabro. He's a such a good defender most of the time, but he has these moments where it's like he forgets how to play. And then it and he's puts- done a lot less of that this year. He's done a lot less of it that this year, but not a great game from him. But other than that, it was a pretty strong game from the entire team. Um let's give Cole Smith some love. He did score. Yeah. Even though I thought we all thought it was Michael McCarron's goal, but um, Cole Smith does what he does. He's in there on the net, he's in there on the goal. He gets the tip, goal or whatever you want to it call it. goal wouldn't have
0: happened without him even if he didn't tip it.
1: Yeah. Aiden Hill didn't see it at all. I mean, if Aiden Hill sees that shot at all, that puck's not going in the net. So you're talking about two players who have been criticized for getting new deals from the front office. How perfect is that? Um, And I'm not saying I completely think that they're higher priority than not re-signing Tommy Novak first. That's the one that has me worried right now. What is going on with a deal for Tommy Novak? So I get the frustration from the fan base, but – it's kind of funny and ironic that two guys who have been re signed, who the fan base is not happy about, connected to score a goal in this game against Vegas. But um, also, the young guns come alive in this game. We talked about Cody Glass getting a redemption goal. Luke Evangelista gets a goal. Also, Tommy Novak gets a really good goal. Yep. So, you got four goals in five games since the break. Yeah. And I've been talking about that all year. I've been saying and that, all year. And
0: that's a key thing here because
1: that thing that explains
0: that's kind of explaining why that the deal for Novak, if it happens, could potentially be delayed until the deadline. Because with these depth players, it's easier because they don't have much of a market, their leverage isn't as high. But with Novak, they're going to both sides are going to want to nickel and dime this thing as much as possible.
1: So it's not, it, 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 it's I mean, not, it's mean, the right word, but like. It's not by accident that Tommy Novak, I haven't checked it in like a week, but Tommy Novak is one of the most efficient puck possession players in the league, people. All right, his Corsi and his possession and his quality of play puts him up there with very elite players in this league. Now, has he become some prolific elite point scorer just yet? No. <clears throat> but the ceiling is there the ceiling is there you got to resign this guy you are foolish unless you get some ridiculous trade offer which i don't think he's is going to happen you got to resign you know, this guy <laughs> and i actually and i actually think you can get him for maybe a bargain he probably wants to stay here i cannot see someone like tommy novak wanting out of nashville so Do your due diligence. Do what needs to be done. Keep this guy. I thought that was the whole point of building something new here is to build homegrown talent. Well, guess what? Tommy Novak is homegrown talent. Figure out a way to keep him. Yeah, I'm going to be very upset if they lose him. I mean, at this point,
0: I you never know, but I can't think of a deal that he would be that teams would sign him to that I wouldn't sign him to if I were Barry Trotz right now. I mean, he's still he's still in a place where he you know he's a He's proven he's got a lot of skill, but he's still in a spot where he's got to prove it somewhat. And so, I mean, a three—let's say like a two or three-year deal worth like four million a year or something like that—that's probably about what he's worth. I would sign that
1: all day. Yeah, definitely. So, great win for the Preds here to beat Vegas. Um, they moved to sixty points on the season. Let's look at the standings real quick in the in the wild card, which is just. So fluid right now, as it usually is this time of year. Um, Preds are now tied with St. Louis at 60 points, but St. Louis has an extra game in hand. So, officially the Preds are still outside of the playoff picture. You've got Minnesota right behind at 58 points, Seattle at 57 points, Calgary at 57 points, and then Arizona has really faded. Um, They have – they put, they put up a good fight. I had them as my sleeper wild card pick, but they have kind of regressed big yep. time lately. Not saying they're completely out of it, but they're at 50 points. They're pretty far behind now. So as of now, it looks like it's Calgary, Seattle, Minnesota, Nashville, and St. Louis in terms of the five teams who you think have a realistic ch- shot at the final wild card spot. Even though L.A. is not too far ahead, I think they're a pretty safe bet to get one of the wild-card spots. And they're starting
0: to pull away a little more. They, they've actually put together somewhat of a win streak lately, so it seems like they're getting their legs back under them.
1: And perfect timing. Nashville plays L.A. Right. on Thursday night. So yep. let's see what happens there. Um, yeah, let's move on here. Episode 221 of Catfish Nice. Thanks for joining us, everybody, tonight. We're happy to be back. For an episode after having a couple weeks off, uh, let's get into our next segment and let's talk about those uh, Milwaukee Admirals' 17 straight wins. I'm um, going to throw the question right at you, Max. If you're a GM right now, how much would how ha- would the excess of Milwaukee right now affect your decision making when it comes to the trade deadline and the thought of having to pull some of those players who are doing so well for them. It's a delicate balance right now.
0: I mean, here's the thing, you know, the admirals are obvious. They obviously have something special right now. You, you absolutely do not want to mess with that as much as you can possibly do it. You absolutely want to keep whatever you can keep going with them. But here's the reality at the end of the day, you are as a GM of an NHL team, you are building for the future And benefit of your nhl team and unfortunately the situation of this is the preds take precedence over over the admirals right now you know and you know again you shouldn't use again you want to again say you you want to balance it as much as possible but if you're going to sell the deadline you're going to prepare for the future you can't use the excuse of the Admirals are playing well to say, no, you shouldn't make trades and call some of these guys up. I mean, you got it. You still got to do it at the end of the day what's best for the Preds and and make the moves that you think are best for their franchise. Now, here's one thing I will say, and this might get a lot of disagreement here, because you also have a scar off has been playing really, really well for the Admirals. And it seems like a lot of people think that he's ready for the NHL. I and it's good, a lot of it's going to depend on what happens with UC Soros and what a trade package looks like for him and all of that, which but, I don't see happening. Don't see it happening. But even if it even if it does happen, I want to find a way to make that trade of Soros work, so where you can get another backup goaltender and keep a scar off in the AHL for the rest of the year, more so for his development. And I'm not trying to say, oh, you need to coddle him here. I don't think that's coddling him. These goaltender prospects, you don't want to rush them too quickly. Even for a guy like Ascarov, who's one of the best prospects at the goaltender we've seen in a long time, you want to keep his development going as much as possible. There is no reason to rush it right now. If he is a good thing going in Milwaukee, keep that good thing going if you can. And next year, when it when it's a fresh when it's a fresh start and all that, then you can have the discussion of okay, let's get him to the NHL so we can get it get a good start for him. But I I I wouldn't mess I'm I do I'm doing everything I can to not mess with his pro- progress in this year. I want to keep him in Milwaukee. And again, if you absolutely cannot get a backup goaltender return for a star straight, which may or may not happen, then okay, you, you you have no choice there. But Askarov is the one player I really want to keep in Milwaukee till the end of this year who a lot of people would think he might be ready to come up to the NHL.
1: So so a couple of things there for me, Max. All right, first of all, let's let's look at it. Um, Askarov, his numbers are out of this world um amazing right now for Milwaukee 27 games 2.12 goals against average 26 and 1 record .920 save percentage um yeah that that's his numbers right now for Milwaukee so he is just dominating right now and he it's not like he's starting every game he's splitting a lot of time with the AHL veteran that we know all about. who has been around a while. Troy Grosnick has 19 games this year and has also got really, really good numbers in front of a really good team ahead of him. So it's not like Askarov is just dominating in his backup goalie or his co-goalie, if you will. I wouldn't call either one of them backups, even though Askarov is the guy. Um, But Grossnik, who's the veteran, he's also putting up really, really good numbers. Um, Very close, similar numbers to Iskarov. But um, that's Iskarov's numbers right now. He's clearly shown that he can dominate and be really strong on the AHL level. Now, I agree with you, Max. You don't need to rush goalies. I agree with that. And what's the point in rushing him in? To, to watch them get torched in front of a Preds defense that has a lot of deficiencies, especially on special teams and penalty kill. Um, it's a wait-and-see approach for me. Yep. Um, I do not want to see anybody talking about trading a scar That's where I jump off the ship. Because yeah, I in that to be would be, that
0: job, but I'm not anymore.
1: <laughs> that would be foolish right now to trade a scar Because no one is going to give you what is worth it to trade a Skarov. Yeah, there might be teams who would inquire about a Skarov, but I don't think they're going to offer anything that warrants actually doing that. That would be such a step in the wrong direction for this franchise if you traded Iroslav Ascarov. I am much more on board with trading UC Soros at this point than I am Iroslav Ascarov, and I've actually changed my opinion on that a lot just in the last couple of yeah, months. Yeah, I, I, I have too. The beauty of sports is what the opinion you might have had two months ago can change. I get sick when fans online always you like had out. a
0: week ago might change.
1: I get so annoyed when fans bookmark your sports takes online and then yeah. they try to come back two months later and they're like, "Oh, you said this two months ago." Well, guess what? A lot changes over two months. Absolutely. But um, Eskarov, his play in the AHL, it's very delicate. But let's talk more about Milwaukee right now in terms of. Let me, let me kind of look at the leaders of this team right now. And the, the the really awesome thing about the Admirals this year is they are so deep. They are not led by one or two guys that are just carrying this team. No, they are deep. And that's what actually gives me hope that even if the Preds sell heavy at the deadline and they have to call up a lot of guys from Milwaukee, Milwaukee can still survive. They can still win a Colorado Cup this year even if that they have to do that. So you look at it now. The two leading scorers for Milwaukee this season, Mark Jankowski and Igor Afanasiev, are currently on the Preds roster right now. 47 points for Jankowski this year. Afanasyev has, Afanasyev has 42 points. You go further down the list, let's talk about players who haven't played for the Preds yet this year, who are leading Milwaukee. Fedor Shvechkov, I don't think he's getting caught up to the Preds this year. First of all, last thing, time I checked, he might be dealing with an injury right now.
0: I believe it's, that's correct. I heard fear. it was like a four- to six-week thing. So, yes. not
1: terrible, but not. Even if he, even if he wasn't injured, Sveshkov was never really in the plans, I would think, to play this year. But he's the, third, the team's third leading scorer. Then you got Zachary LaRue, which we've very well noted is a talented player but has a lot of disciplinary issues. On the ice, I will emphasize, not off the ice. Don't want to get that twisted. But on the ice, some discipline di- discipline issues. Um, but the dude is showing out this year. Fourth, fourth on the team in scoring. I can't see him being called up to the Preds either, even if the Preds sell at the deadline. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ready either.
0: I don't think so either.
1: Uh, then you got Dennis Garyanov who's already been played for the Preds this year. I could see him getting called up if to the Preds. I to to your waivers
0: first, but I, I highly doubt anyone's claiming him.
1: But my point is if you've got to fill out an NHL roster if a if a sell-off happens and you gotta call some guys up, let's say Keeper Sherwood's traded or whatever, um, then maybe Garyanov gets called back up again. Let's talk about Philip Tomasino here for a second, though. So he's down in Milwaukee. We have not covered this um, because we've been off a couple weeks. Max, give me your overall thoughts. Do you agree with with the shocking development that uh, just the overall journey of Tomasino this year has just been such a roller coaster? And it, it really dates back to last year um yeah. two where even John Hines would maybe a lot of people thought mistreated him but now under a new coaching regime Tomasino again is not getting that regular playing time what is going on okay I'm going to preface what I'm about to say about Tomasino
0: by saying that it may it it might piss some people off it mm-hmm. I I I'm not trying to pick on the guy. I'm not I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm not saying this is definitely the case. I'm just going off the facts we have and trying to piece the piece put the pieces together because after a certain while you can't ignore trends. And last year, it made sense it made sense to be like, okay, he, you, you could understand why it was a coach's fault because it was a, not a great system. Heinz obviously got fired, and then Thomasino comes up and is doing a lot better but you get this year under a new head, under a new head coach with a different system. You had problems all year. Like even this is not like this. What just happened with Thomas, you know, not like it's been anything new even this year. Like even in the beginning of the year, he was getting scratched a lot of games and, and now he's in Milwaukee again. And I understand that like, if you look at his underlying metrics, they're really good. And he, he looks good a lot of times when he's on the ice, but, you gotta remember that it's not all just about how you your your metrics, how you perform it, even on the ice. there's a lot of stuff that goes on that you know makes you fit for an NHL team or not. A lot of that's off the ice too. And all I'm saying is, and again, not trying to accuse guy of anything, but at what point do you reach where you where you're like, you know what? Maybe it's something behind closed doors or whatever that's with
1: the player and not the head. It's coach. really weird. It doesn't because make sense to us. It, it's a really strange thing. I mean, what what's weird about it to me is, like you said, Max, his, his metrics look good, and he's oftentimes not put in situations in the lineup where he can, can succeed. I've been a big proponent of trying him out on the top line, going into the All-Star break. I floated that idea out there. Let's shake up the top line. Let's try Tomasino on the top line. Let's see how he does. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, It's weird to me because he was kind of the first draft pick to springboard this whole youth movement that we like to talk about. Um, He was a really, really highly touted draft pick in 2019. (laughs) Played really well in his rookie year. 30-plus points in 70 games. And then it's just so odd to me that he has not been able to gain traction in this lineup. And even when he does play, he's buried in a fourth-line role. It's so bizarre to me. I can't figure it out. I don't understand it. But I hinted at this and got so much criticism going into this season. Yeah. Got so much criticism from – the Smashville family, and that's fine. You take criticism; it's sports. I don't take it personal. But I got so much criticism. Like I hated Tom. I was a Tomasino hater, and all this nonsense. Like, no, I love Tomasino. I want him to succeed. Love the way he plays. The Preds need him to be that guy. But for yep. whatever reason, it it's just not happening. Yeah. And you can blame the front office for that, or you can blame the player. We don't know necessarily right now. But like you just said, Max, all we can go off of is facts. And the fact is, under two different coaching regimes, he can't gain traction. Two very
0: different styles.
1: <laughs> very different styles. And he's playing in Milwaukee now, and he's already looked really good, No, which should be no shock to anybody. He's going to dominate on the AHL level. Of course he is. Right. I don't know what the long-term plan here is of sending him to Milwaukee. You got to figure out what you're going to do with him because you got to resign him. And so maybe the, uh, that glass-half-full approach here is let send him to Milwaukee, let him get more development, let him let him really cook down there, let him dominate, let him build his confidence up. And then the master plan is the Predators are going to sell some assets off at the deadline. That's going to free up room for Tomasino. Maybe he finishes in a top six role for this season. Maybe that could happen. I mean, again, and what I'm going to say
0: too is it's in, for what I'm saying, it's entirely possible that it is just bad coaching decision after bad coaching decision. I'm not dismissing that at all. But it, and what I'm going to say, and it, this is just a life thing too, at a certain point where if your problems are everyone else's fault, well, at some point maybe it's just your fault.
1: I mean, it's a tough conversation, but it's so I don't know if everyone obviously not everyone saw this but I wrote a really really uh, an editorial on Mark Jankowski um, a, a couple of days ago uh, on predlines.com and I invite you to read it. Um, I didn't plan on writing this article, but it just kind of came to me and I was like I I've, I've always respected um, not just hockey players, but just people in general. Whatever they do in their craft, whether it's their construction worker or whether they're uh, whatever it is they do, people who just work hard, people who just—I'm not saying Tomasino doesn't work hard. What I'm trying to say is, in this particular craft of hockey, I really respect someone like Mark Jankowski, who has over 300 games of NHL experience. Probably doesn't want to be playing in Milwaukee at this stage in his career. No. But he's not sulking. He's not saying he's not forcing his way out or not wanting to play or not giving it his all. No, he's leading the Admirals, a team that's won 17 straight games. He's leading that team in points. And although he's playing for the Predators right now, he is one of the leaders of that Admirals team. And we're talking about a guy who has over, we're not talking about a young prospect who's never tasted the NHL. No, we're talking about a guy who knows what it's like to play in the NHL, a fourth line, third line grinder who just works his tail off and doesn't always get rewarded, but is just such a commendable player. And I do think that players, not just Tomasino, but players like, Igor Afanasyev, who has been let down and probably wants to be in the NHL at this point, I get it. You you can learn a thing or two from a guy like Jankowski, who is coming up on 30 years old, and he takes his opportunities when he gets them. He's always going to have a place in this league, whether it's AHL or NHL, because teams, organizations need players like Jankowski. You can call on when you need them, now, obviously, a player like Afanasyev and Tomasino have a way higher ceiling thanks to their raw talent over Jankowski, but they need to learn from a player like that, bottle it up, and hopefully their raw talent will eventually take them to where they want to be. Um, but I just have a, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Jankowski. And he had a good game against Vegas last night. He didn't get on the score sheet, but he was very much – involved in the game um, I think he had a couple of close scoring chances in that game. So yeah, massive respect from me uh, to Mark Jankowski. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, you know, I also, you know, again, like you say, he's a very, you know, florist type of player where he's not going to have the highest ceiling, but you know, I like the contributions he makes whenever he's on the ice and what you just said about Jankowski is also, I'm going to tie it into kind of why the Preds signed Michael McCarron and whenever, the Michael McCarron signing happened. Everyone's like, oh my God, why? Well, what's going on? This is terrible optics after the Stars game. Well, I want to kind of flip that. Well, maybe it's even better optics because Michael McCarran is known as a, Andrew Brunette literally called him like a big brother to these players, a locker room vibes guy who works hard. And also, I've said on this podcast, I said an article I just wrote, and I say, and I say it again here in this episode, Michael McCarron last season was in the NHL player assistance program. And he's come back this year to have arguably his best year as an NHL player. And I'm not saying that all these guys on this, the youngsters on the teams are going to go through what Michael McCarron went through having to get assistance. But that what he did is overcoming adversity. You want guys who have overcome adversity to lead this group. And honestly, in Michael McCarron signing like that makes me believe that Trotz and Bruno are, in fact, really Prioritizing these young guys, getting the leadership from guys like McCarran, guys like Jankowski, who lead by example. It's little things that we don't notice,
1: but it make it make a huge difference. It takes time to build a foundation. It really does. And if you know, like people don't understand that a big part of this house, if you will, got ripped down to the to the studs last off season. When you traded away a Matias Ekholm, I mean, which was a key pillar of this foundation, you trade him away. I mean, people don't understand. Yeah, this team played well in mid-November and mid-December. They were cooking. But this is still very much a rebuilding team. Uh, And so whether they make the playoffs or not, it's important to remember that what the longer-term picture here is – I got re-signing a, a player like Michael McCarron is not going to make or break you, but it's, it's a very minimal deal. that can actually end up being a huge impact for your locker room for not that much money. And guess mm-hmm. what? He can still score goals. He can still do very important things. that get lost in the box score. So I understand the frustration in the sense that they want a Tommy Novak deal right now. And there's other players that are remain unsigned if they care about more. Um, but that's just not how front offices operate, especially this front office with Barry Trotz, who I think is definitely thinking longer-term picture here. He's yeah. trying to build a new culture. He's trying to build things that might not – it's not going to win a Stanley Cup this year most likely, but you're, you're trying to build a culture, and re-signing a player like Michael McCarron is not that expensive, and he's a, he's a character guy. You need those types of players in your locker room, especially for that cheap of a deal.
0: Yeah, and also when Barry Trot, when I, it was actually Elliot Friedman who I heard who was talking about him himself talking to Barry Trotz about the whole U two concert debacle. And Elliot Friedman had mentioned that Trotz had told him that when you're going with a rebuilding slash retooling team with a bunch of young guys, you have to set a culture of standards and expectations. So just hearing that makes me think he really is prioritizing this this young group.
1: Yeah, so real quick to tie this all together. Looking at the Admirals roster right now, guys that I think realistically could could get poached from the Admirals roster post trade deadline. Uh, realistically, we've already got Afanasiyev on, yeah. on on the lineup in the roster right now. So obviously, if there's a sell off, you would think that Afanasiev finishes the season with the Preds just like he did last year. That's expected. Mark Jankowski who's going to be a free agent this year, mind you. So don't leave him out of the possibility of being traded, unfortunately. It it could happen. I know that's not a high-ticket trade, but he could be traded. Um, But looking down the list of Admirals players here, obviously a lot of people want to see Joaquin Kimmel get his Preds debut. That could happen at least for a game or two, they could call Kimmel up after the trade deadline and let him get a taste of the NHL a little bit, um, let him get his feet wet, see what he produces. I wouldn't be completely opposed to that, but the only way I could see that happening is if the Predators, one, have some injuries to deal with, and which the Predators have been very, very fortunate this year when it comes to yes. injuries for the most yes. part. They have not dealt with any major knock on wood, uh, catastrophic catastrophic injuries this year like they did last year. But um, I could see Joachim Kimmel getting called up for a few games. Uh, he's he's not waivers eligible, so you could call him up for a little bit. But that would be detrimental to the Admirals. That's that's yeah. an example of do you, uh, this whole point of this segment we're doing here. How do you balance it out? If you're someone like Barry Trotz and you're the general manager of this team, you might want you might be tempted to call up a ultraly talented offensive player like Joachim Kimmel and see what he can do post-trade deadline. But does the success of the Admirals push against that? And do you think, you know what? If you're trust, do you think, you know what, I'm not going to call him up because I want him to stay in Milwaukee so that they can keep winning. That's kind of the point of this segment I'm thinking about.
0: I the way I see it is like, I don't want. Guys, I don't want, you know, guys be called up or not just me as much for the Admirals. But like I said about Askarov, I want to focus on their individual development as players. Yes. And again, like I say.
1: So do you think, real quick timeout, do you think I, that if you called up Joachim Kimmel, do you think that would be good for his development? I mean. It's hard to say.
0: It, it is hard to say, but, you know, I guess it's one of those things where it's like if you're going to, If you if you're gonna call him up, maybe do it just like as an experimental thing for a few games, just kind of see what it's like. But if he, but don't at all be surprised if they're like, okay, let's just get him back to the league. It was just kind of get his feet wet, kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I I think for a scar of it might be detrimental. But I would say overall, if you're not careful about it, it could.
1: But you end up talking about possible selling for the Preds. Let's talk about the fact – let's talk about the defenseman here, not just Tyson Berry, who I cannot believe that guy has not been traded yet, but um, <laughs> but even Dante Fabro or Alexander Carrier, which, I mean, Alexander Carrier, me personally, he is actually at the top of my trade block right yes, now in terms 100%. of you got to trade him. And it's not because I think he's a bad player. It's because he has value, you know, um, and he's actually sp- – uh, jumped up on Frank Ceravelli's, uh trade target board on Daily Faceoff that he does um, – like he updates it like every week, I think. Um, Alexander Carrier is on there, on his list, the last lesson i checked. checked, um, because he does have so much upside as a young defenseman. So for the Preds, let's say they trade – I know you're all up, Max, on who's right-side defenseman, who's left-side right. defenseman. Um, When it comes to Spencer Statsny, do you think he works his way back into the Preds lineup after the trade deadline?
0: I I think it's very, I think it's very likely. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if you, I I would think, I think one of um, Barry, excuse me, one of Kerry or Fabro is going to get traded. I think they, I hope they they can somehow trade Barry sometime really soon, whenever that is. But in the way I can see it figuring, the way I can see it shaking out is if you got, Yossi with probably one of Carrier or Fabro, McDonough with Shen. And then you get Lozon, um, Stassi on the left side of the third pairing, and then Lozon can slide to the right. He's one of those guys who can kind of
1: play both. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so that would hurt. That would hurt the Admirals, though. That, that's an example of you pull a guy up who's very important to the Admirals, but you got to do it. You can't just yeah. not field a team just because you don't want to hurt your minor league team. So that's, that's kind of the, point. Goes
0: the NHL at this point. I think, I think he's very much proven that he belongs in the NHL. He should
1: already be in the NHL. That's yeah. the point. There's a log jam the of defensemen, NHL man. I... <laughs> and you look at the rest of the defensemen, I mean, that the admirals have, I mean, they still have Jordan Gross, who has got NHL experience very limited, but um, very much a tweener. We don't know if he's ever going to be a full-time NHL player. But um you got Mark geizo who's still down there. He's he could get called up again. He played early this season and didn't look bad. But I could see him still finishing out the season with the admirals. Yep. And uh uh you've still got Jake Livingstone. The point is the prospect pull is deep and the admirals are deep. So I think that even if the Preds have to pluck some players from the Admirals, the Admirals are gonna be fine. I truly believe that. They are a deep team. They are obviously well-coached with Carl Taylor. I look at their roster, and it's insane how stacked they are for an AHL team. It is crazy. No, it's... Kudos, kudos to how the Preds have drafted. I know everyone loves to still talk crap about David Poyle, but give some love to how they've drafted lately because this team is stacked for an AHL team.
0: They absolutely are, and I and a big part of the reason why I, I agree they're going to be fine is because Luke is behind the bench, Carl Taylor, who's going to be an NHL coach very soon. So yeah, I think no matter what happens,
1: let's talk about yeah. Liam Booty. I mean, he was a waiver pickup, and yeah. he's he's looking great for them down there. You Parson is down there with them now, which is a whole other discussion. But he's down there now, and we get who knows how that's going to end up. But they're stacked. Yeah. Um, that's another player that you got to wonder if Parson resurfaces after the trade deadline. Um, it, it all depends on who gets traded. Obviously we don't know who's going to get traded and who's not. We don't know if the Fords are going to be traded left and right. We don't, I mean, people have even thrown Colton Sissons in there as possibly being traded. We don't know who's going right. to be traded. We have no idea.
0: Yeah, no, it's, you know, I, again, it's one of those, the title back together, you know, I think, you know, Anything with the Preds for the um, trade deadline, it should be concerned as, as much as the ads are playing well, you got to focus on the Preds future. That's top priority here. But no matter what happens, I do think after it all plays out, the ads probably will still be okay. Maybe not quite winning 17 in a row, but I think they're gonna, still going to be a really good team. And also, here's another thing that a lot of people may not, I mean, they realize they're not going to talk about though. Assuming the, if the Preds stop the deadline assume they're not going to make the
1: playoffs, well, then you probably get a lot of those players back for the the AHL playoffs. Mike Twitter jumps on and says, can't trade Colton Sissons. I agree. All I'm saying is there's a lot of people up for debate here, and Colton Sissons has a very favorable uh, contract for a team that might be interested in him, especially playoff teams. Playoff caliber teams would be willing to give up a lot to get Colton Sissons for his Colton Sissons has an insanely bargain contract. It was a long-term deal when he signed it, but it was for very, very cheap uh, per year. He's So worth he's worth every penny, absolutely. So he is definitely tradable. Now, I don't like that. I don't like saying that. I am very on a record. Everyone who watches this podcast knows that I am a Colton Sissons aficionado. I love that guy. He is one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, for the Preds so it would hurt me to death if they traded him but he has value he does and it's yep. a business um
0: and, yeah, I agree I wouldn't trade him either because there's so there are so few players on this Preds team that have five plus years of experience and you know and if they and their lack of experience is a huge reason why they've struggled lately so I keep systems around
1: yeah and I mean w- being in a playoff race right now they're probably trying to be on both sides of the fence here. They're probably trying to sell, but also still leave their team enough intact to still compete for the playoffs. I think that's what Barry Trotz is probably thinking right now. He's probably trying to play both sides of the coin here the best he can. If you trade away someone like Colton Sissons, that's like one of the heartbeats of your team. That means you're pretty much throwing the white flag up and you're saying we're not making the playoffs. Right. So, yep. I'm, not, I'm just saying he does have value. All right, great discussion there. We have more to get into. Let's tell you about our sponsor, DraftKings, first. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than any- This week, new customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So, of course, Preds take on the Kings tomorrow. We've got some other good action coming. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net in New York. Call 8778 H O P E N Y or text H O P E N Y. That's 467 369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League copyright NHL 2024 all rights reserved. So the NHL schedule has been all over the place lately. A lot of good games lately. Um, All over the place, hard to predict as we know. But let's move along here in episode 221 of Catfish on Ice with the best acquisitions for the Preds leading up to the trade deadline in their team history. Um, we can't, we have to start with this one, Max. The best doesn't even come close, nothing else even comes close to matching it. It is Phil Forsberg Easy. for Martin Erat.
0: Easy. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much to expand on that. I mean, that's far and away the best we've ever had. And- well, I'm
1: going to expand on a little bit in case people forgot. Phil Forsberg for Martin Erat, April 3rd, 2013. It was a trade deadline day acquisition. The Preds got Forsberg from the team that drafted Forsberg, the Capitals. Since then, Forsberg is the all-time Preds leader in goals with 265 and counting. He's going to continue to cushion that lead of goals for the franchise. No one's ever going to come close to him for a long time. Scored 63 points in his rookie year in 2014-15 for the Preds. There hasn't been a rookie who's come close to touching that in Preds history. On the other end of it, Martin Erat, who is equally an all-time great Preds player, was very much at the end of his career, played 62 games for Washington after that trade. 62 games. Talk about getting fleeced for a trade. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and lasted, I also believe Michael Waddle was in the Capitals who Yeah,
1: lasted two more seasons in the NHL. With the Coyotes scoring 37 points. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. The only thing Philip Forsberg needs to do is obviously win a Stanley Cup. But I mean, other than that, I mean Forsberg's done everything he can do to make that one of the most significant fleece of a trades in NHL history. I mean, it's just crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like pretty much everything there. I mean, there's and as far as the Preds' deadline acquisitions, that's easily the best one. I feel like I probably have a good idea who's number 2 if um if, if, if he was on your list. Go ahead.
1: Let me, yeah, let, me I let me let me hear it. Probably Mike Fisher. Oh. Definitely. On my yeah. list, of course. Yep. Yeah. Mike Fisher what Mike Fisher was acquired on February 10th, 2011, which crazy that it's already been that long. But uh, Mike Fisher was acquired by the Preds for a first round and third round draft pick to Ottawa. A couple yeah. weeks, it actually happened a couple weeks before that year's trade deadline. Um, I mean, yeah, it speaks for itself.
0: Yeah, captain of the team for a year, always a great leader, consistent. Yeah, I think I, for me, definitely Forsberg and um, Forsberg and Fisher got to be the top two, and then. There were there were, there was um Peter Forsberg, of course, he was on the team very long. Then there's a few others, but I think once after Forsberg and Fisher, maybe Steve Sullivan's in that tier. But after I think definitely after those three, it definitely is a tier underneath
1: at least oh, for sure. But hey, we did also get Cary Underwood out of the deal.
0: Yeah, we did.
1: <laughs> now, yeah,
0: I don't know how um if I'm getting ahead of myself here, but so I was looking as Chad mentioned cap friendly. I was looking at that too. And I found that, you know, there were not a ton of, you know, splash players we got the trade deadline. But some of the picks that we got became some players that were critical for the team.
1: Yeah, and that counts as well. When you get those yeah. draft picks, it can be just as important as getting an actual player.
0: Not not like – and some of like the better players, one of them was UC Soros, oh. a pick that became UC Soros. A pick that became Pekka Rene, and oh. the pick, although he's kind of unproven, the pick that became Spencer Stasny.
1: Yeah, I mean, and Three. I love that function. I love that feature on Cat Friendly where it actually tells you who that draft pick ended up being. Yeah, no, those Here's are an idea of it. Critical trades, and also don't and- the whole thing. Don't shortchange Cali Yarncroke. Well, that's who I was gonna. I mean, you're you're just jumping all ahead of me here, man. But I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, I had Cal Yarncroke on my list. I did not leave Cal y- the. Uh, who, who did they use? What what was his nickname? Red Wing. Um,
0: oh, that we Hook
1: traded Wasn't he called Iron Hook or something like that? He had a really cool nickname. From uh, okay. I think Chris Mason had a, had a really good nickname for him. But
0: unfortunately,
1: um, well, that was our our former co-host and good friend Rich Howe. That was one of his favorite players, was Cal Yarncroke. But um, we're going to try to get Rich on the show. He's so busy right now, and we're also busy as well. But we really want to get uh, Rich back on the show for a reunion episode. But uh, uh, Rich, we love you, man. We miss you. But um, Cal Yarncroke was traded for David Legwand, March fifth, twenty fourteen. Pretty cool here. Yarn Croak is 23rd all-time in Preds history with 211 points. kind of Not on the same level, but definitely similar. Another case of an all-time great Preds player who had gotten to the end of their career and the Preds had to, unfortunately, part ways with that player. Of course, Leguan, the first, first draft pick ever of this franchise, Led the the team in all the major categories for so long until Roman Yossi and Forsberg came along. But uh, Leguan only played 21 games for the Red Wings after that trade. So the Red Wings did not get anything out of that trade compared to what the Predators got out of that trade. So, yeah. I mean, it's one of those perfect situations where you got to part ways with someone you love. And that happens at the trade deadline and it could happen again at this trade deadline. It happened last year's trade deadline with Matias Ekholm. No one was happy about that. Everyone was hurting to see Matias Ekholm go, but sometimes you have to trade the players you love. You just have to do
0: it. Absolutely. And two other players I want to talk about, and I get there's going to be somewhat of a negative connotation around these players. And, and I get it kind of speaks to how the Preds have not gotten the best result of the deadline historically, but, Mikhail Granlin and Jeremy Lausanne. Granlin played a few years. Also on, on my list. Also on my list. And we and we were able to trade him for a decent return. And Jeremy Lausanne, I get he's like a third-pairing defenseman, and people were not happy about that. he was made. But he got a contract, and I would say and most people will agree, he's having by far the best year he's ever had. He's the
1: hardest. He's by, he, he has actually become the hardest hitter of the league. He leagues the league in hits. He's done that before. But not only that – but Jeremy Lozano has actually rounded out his game a little bit. Yes. He's not just a hard hitter. The no. the guy has a shot. He he can get he, loose in the sl- he can get loose in the slot if somebody finds him. There was a there was a moment in the Vegas game last night where Lazan was streaking into the slot and Ryan O'Reilly found him and if I remember correctly the shot either got blocked or Aiden Hill made the save. I can't remember what happened. Either one of those things happened. But the point is, LaZon put a really good shot on net, was skating without the puck. Ryan O'Reilly found, found him. Um, he's not just a hard-hitting enforcer oaf out there that's just like a a, a dummy that just takes penalties and hits people. No, LaZon has a shot. He can shoot. Oh. And he's
0: been playing much better as far as actual defense this year. He's made a few plays where I've been like, wow, he's that was a he does as well neutralizing the offense this year. And also, we thought, of course, he's known for the hits and all that. And of course, he's gonna take his penalties and whatever, but it's not like it's it's not like he's doing it irresponsibly. Alexander Carrier, who's played a lot this year on a pairing with Lausanne, has talked about how he's become one of the most intimidating players in the league for
1: opponents because of how much he hits and how much he scares oh, the he opponents. Was- uh, I guess the, against Vegas, he was just knocking guys out. You try to skate up on the boards on Jeremy Lazan, he's going to flatten you like it's a video game. Yeah. Any, I mean, I know we got a lot of listeners who play um, like NHL 24 or whatever year it's on. But one of the funnest things about – one of the most fun things about playing uh, hockey video games is just hitting people. Well, Jeremy Lazan does that in real life. He just flattens people like it's it's ball. Yeah. So very glad that you brought that one up uh, because it's one that should be overlooked. Uh, Like I said, the Preds have not made a lot of really headline, crazy trade deadline acquisitions in their history. It's a very short list. The only one we haven't really touched on deeply yet is Mikel Granlin. That was on February 25th, 2019. Uh, One for one swap to send off Kevin Fiala. I call at this point I call that trade a a wash. And the reason why I, I call agree. it a wa- the reason why I call it a wash is because Fiala did not stick around long enough with Minnesota to call that a win for Minnesota. They ended up trading uh Fiala um to to the Kings who he plays for now and I Fiala is still a much better player and has a higher ceiling than where, than what Granlin does. But if we're just comparing Preds and Wild in the trade, it's a wash. I mean, both teams probably didn't get exactly what they wanted out of that trade, but both players did at least contribute a little bit to those teams before moving on to other teams. Now, neither player is on the team. That they got traded to at this point, you know. Like obviously Granlin got traded at the last last year's trade deadline for a second round pick, which actually ended up being a really, really good yeah. trade for the Preds to get a second round pick out of him. And then of course Fiala now plays plays for the Kings and has a good chance to, you know, he's he's part of a really good team. So but in terms of Wild versus Preds, it's a wash. Granlund did some good things for the team, but he never really maybe lived up to maybe what Kevin Fiala can end up being, but yeah, hard to say. And, you know, with Granlund, it was up his,
0: I would say his French career was up and down, but, but I think a part of that, I feel like he was put in situations on the ice that wouldn't really fit his abilities, but we saw, especially in the 2021, 22 season, when he was in, like, when he was playing center on the line with um, Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne, he was in his element. He was distributing the puck really well—that which he was he was best at—and on nights where he wasn't loading up on the score sheet, he was playing well on defense. Like, he was such a good two-way player that year. And fortunately, I don't think any year he's had has been quite as good as that one, especially the year after where he was really like he was he was refusing to shoot the puck, and it was so aggravating. But yeah. that year, that that year, especially 2021, he had some other good moments under John Hines. We saw we saw what he was meant to do in this league,
1: and he was doing it so effectively. Well, and Gramlin's playing for the San Jose Sharks now, and he's actually putting up decent numbers, even for yeah. a team like it's the a Sharks. Terrible team. But he's not a he's not a wash of a player by any means. Mm-hmm. I still think it was a, the right move to trade him in terms of what the predators oh, yeah. did. Yeah. But Granlund is not a wash of a player by any means. He's he's just he's not the type of player that maybe people thought we were getting at the time of the trade. He's a distributor. He's he's an assist machine. He's not a scorer necessarily. But um, let's move on here. Um, we'll have to wait and see if the pre- we don't we don't neither me or Max think that the Preds are going to be buyers at this trade deadline. No. We don't expect any big time acquisitions here. Even though they do have cap space, but uh, let's temper our expectations. Let's hope that Barry Trotz doesn't get crazy here. But um, Let's move on here. we got a couple more things to get into here. Episode 221 of Catfish on Ice with Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. If you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe below. Comment on the show. Also, if you're watching on X, hit follow. Comment on the show. We love it when we hear new fans get in on our live episodes. All right, this is going to – I preface this, Max. I'm giving you time to think about it. Let's start thinking about Roman Yossi for a second. I know he's a very polarizing player. A lot of people think he's not captain material because he's so calm and so chill, and he doesn't show enough passion maybe. And there's post-game interviews where he'll say that the team didn't bring enough Effort and he's always so calm, but let's just speak facts here. Among defensemen, he's one of the best defensemen of this generation. Yeah. And we all hold Pecarina on this high pedestal as the goat of the franchise. And I'm not saying he's not still that. But will Roman Yossi ever do enough to pass Peccarine? in the GOAT conversation for Nashville Predators history. I think it's very
0: possible that it could happen. You know, I what does think he have
1: to do in your opinion, Max? Yeah, Because he's already piled up the points. I mean, obviously he's going to score more points. But right. I don't know if that's enough for this fan base. I think he would have to win a Stanley Cup or at least take this team pretty deep in the playoffs again,
0: or maybe even, an, or at least maybe another Norris Trophy. Which who knows if he wins another one of those? With how old he is now, but it'd have to be it'd have to be some pretty significant accolade with either himself or the team that would have to put him over the top.
1: Yeah, he can't just pile up points. I no. mean, because he's already done that. I mean, right. we all know he piles up points. We all know that he that he that he can pile up the assist. He has a great shot. He's he's fast. He's got a knack for finding ways to skate around defenders and make things happen. He, he can stuff this the stat sheet like anybody. I don't think that's good enough for fans. They love Pecorine so much. And he's such ro- royalty and untouched. He's he's in he's immortal to oh, Pretz yeah. fans. Peccarina is. I don't think Roman Yossi is immortal to Pretz fans like Pecorine is. I don't but I think that the the expectations for Yosi to ever pass Rene in the in the eyes of fans is so high that the only thing I think Roman Yosi can do, fair or not, is bring a Stanley Cup to this team, or maybe get this team back to the Stanley Cup, maybe or at, at
0: least team. really, or at least um, maybe a few years on the line if and when the Preds are more competitive. Be kind of one of those players who really jumpstarts a new era and, and passes off the torch, if you will.
1: Yeah, I just think a lot of fans. And I see it on social media a lot when I read through the comments and stuff. Um, they don't. They don't think he's captain material. They don't. They don't think he. They would much rather see Ryan O'Reilly be the captain, maybe someone who's more, um, more. I don't know. Wears it on a sleeve more. You know Roman Roman Yossi, fair or not, he he comes off as the type where he's just chill and calm, and you you want your captain to just be pissed off and like when the team plays like crap, you want you want that captain to like call his team out, and and you don't want to see a, a a relaxed Roman Yossi when the team just got embarrassed, uh, basically giving remarks of oh yeah. We didn't play good. Our effort wasn't there in the third period. Fans get annoyed by that. Right. And so I think that's what holds Roman Yossi back. Also, it's not a fair comparison comparing a goalie to a defenseman. Uh, when you have a goalie like Pecorine, who is just so beloved, and he was just so such a class act, and he was just so perfect. And Roman Yossi is also a class act. So yeah. it's like there's no comparison there. They're both class acts, and they're both yeah. – amazing ambassadors for the city, but I think it's an unfair uphill battle that Roman Yossi will never be able to conquer unless he wins a Stanley cup or comes very close to it. And
0: I, I will say, you know, I, I totally understand people who are like, you know, they want to see a little more fire from Yossi, I guess, but I think over the years, he's actually started to pick it up a little more. And I remember one game a few years ago where he called for a penalty And he was giving it to the ref like he was pointing at him, yelling. I was like, I'm like, that's what I want to see. Yossi, he has it
1: in him. He 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 definitely so the thing about Yossi is during games, let's say he will get vocal, especially when it's a really bad call. Like let's say it's like a an embellishment call or it's it's one of those like borderline penalty calls that can change a game late in the third period. He'll let the officials have it. He's not one of those. But he's also – I think it rubs fans the wrong way, just his demeanor, um, especially post-game. He's not the type of guy that's going to, like, come out in a post-game interview and call players out. And and um, he, a lot of times he gives very cookie-cutter responses, um, and, and that rubs fans the wrong way. And I don't think Pecorine was ever held to that standard because he was just so adored. Yeah. throughout his entire now now i will say pecorine also got a lot of criticism from the fan base whenever he would especially in the playoffs i can remember plenty of times when when pecorine did not play well in a certain playoff game or two and fans were like this guy's this guy's untrustworthy and he's he's fake and he's and like so pecorine was never above criticism he also got criticism. At times, I will say you know for and maybe this
0: what i about to say is a low bar, but for as much as you know, Yossi may not be the kind of guy who you know is always getting yelling and fiery all the time. It's not like he's here like smiling after losses or anything. And I'm gonna kind of sort of change subject, but it's related. There was a Titans game member at the end of this year where our first round from 2022, Traylon Burks had a game where he got zero receptions, zero yards at the, the whole game. Last game of the year, and after the game. He was smiling, waving to the crowd. That I don't want. That's yes. not good. That's not what you want to see. But it's not and like Yoshi's
1: having a bad game and he's just like, yeah, like a smile. No, like he's no, he still cares. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just don't I just think that some fans want to see him act a certain way. And I just don't think that's his mint I just don't think that's him. Like you're yeah. asking him to be something yeah, you, you he's not. You can't be something you're not. Yeah, exactly. And he's just not that type of of guy person in general that's not his personality you might not like it but you might think he's not captain material but i don't think that's for any of us to judge if you want to figure out who's captain who's captain material ask the players in the locker room and obviously yeah. they're not going to tell you that uh truthfully in the middle of the season but it wouldn't even be appropriate to ask them right now mm-hmm. but um yeah uh, and also, we we shouldn't leave out Philip Forsberg in this conversation either. He's he's another player who could um, eventually has a lot of time left in his hockey career as well. Still very young, has a lot of time left. Maybe one day he passes Pecorino as the official goat mm-hmm. of the Predators franchise. I mean, that's fair to not discount him either. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You, you, Again, you and but like you said earlier in the episode, with things in sports, things opinion change in a week, uh, a few months. You never know these things play out. So as much as it might seem ridiculous now, eight, four, five years, whatever it is down the line,
1: things are things are different. Yeah. So Definitely. Just gotta see how it plays out. All right. That's all of our preds talk for tonight. We're gonna get in our Titans time segment to wrap up episode 221, it is the off season for the Titans right now. Um, Max, I'm seeing a lot of uh, not so good outlooks for next season. This roster is completely uh, depleted. Um, they got a lot of holes to fill. Um, Will Levis was ranked as the um, worst quarterback rankings. And one of, I don't know which account shared it. It was one of those, rankings list I saw on X, but um no love for Will Levis, no respect. Um but let's talk about Derrick Henry. This is gonna be our this main topic I want to cover in our Titans time this week in this episode. Um Derrick Henry, I think free agency starts on March 13th. I think I think I, think I saw it today.
0: And two and I will say with with NFL free agency Free agency starts, it really starts a little earlier than it says. Like, it's a, It's always a Wednesday when it officially starts. But the tampering period begins on Monday of that week. And that's okay. when you start hearing of when these All guys are right.
1: going to sign. But so really, things really are going to kick off that Monday the 11th. All right. So give me, do you think there's even a snowball's chance in hell that Derrick Henry gets re-signed by the Titans? I mean,
0: it's Derrick Henry and he's, the Titans, and so there is definitely a chance he resigns. Do I think it happens? I gotta say I gotta agree with the majority opinion. I think Henry's played his last game in the two tone blue. Unfortunately, that's where I am at with him. And I'll kind of expand on a little more. You know, we ever, we all love Henry. He was a great player for the team. He's and you know, there's nothing not to like about the dude. But you know, at some point, you it just comes time to go in a different direction and especially now that you look with the titans drafted a year ago Ty J Spears who looks like he's ready to take on that role as the top running back on this team i mean it i this sounds like almost blasphemous to say about a guy who's done as well as Derrick Henry but it'd be irresponsible to pay him like 10 million a year when you got Tyje Spears who's going to be who can going to be lead back and a lot of, a lot of smart people thought he performed better than Henry last year when you take into account like just sample size and, you know, pace per game and stuff. I mean, it's – you can't – and here's – now, because it's Derrick Henry and he's so many guys, I'd probably go a little higher for, you know, what I'm willing to pay him versus just another free agent backup running back you'd sign. If if it's someone like Zach Moss or whatever, I'd probably pay him about – the most I'd go for a guy, that's probably $3.5 for a year or two um each year for Henry I pro- I would go 5 million which is a lot for a guy who's probably going to be who would be a I don't want to say backup
1: but he's probably not going to be the lead back next year even if he's back on the team So but- you think there's so do, Max do you think there's some teams out there who are going to be willing to make Derrick Henry their feature back with all the with all the wear and tear he has on his body and and um like what do you if, think man do you think there's going to be some be- –
0: I think there might be a few teams out there. I know the Ravens are a heavy suitor for him. Oh. They, yeah, that would hurt. That would that would hurt a lot. This you might hurt, hurt me even, right
1: now, man. This might
0: hurt even worse. But the but I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the Cowboys with him would be a great compliment to oh. Tony Pollard. Yep, that's even worse. Another team I saw. I don't
1: know which one's worse.
0: Another team I saw though, which won't hurt you nearly as bad, the Vikings. That one we could live with a little more.
1: I can live with that. Yeah, yeah. that did not bother me.
0: And this, but yeah. And this that's another team, and man, this would hurt even more than the other teams I mentioned. But I can't rule it out, especially because he's from there. The Jaguars might even want to make a run. And and he would be either. backup.
1: He would be backups he would on the back team. There, so that's probably not as likely. He would and be a back. Would he be a backup if he went to Dallas? It's different though with them
0: because Tony Pollard is definite is more of a you know pass catching kind it'd of. Be do- like right? It'd be like a duo. It'd be like a one. It'd be much more of a duo in that scenario.
1: Oh, gotcha. All right. Well, and, um, you know, to your
0: question, you know, as far as, you know, if anyone going to want to be, anyone wants him as a feature back, I definitely don't think he'll be the bell cow guy he was for the Titans, but I do think there are teams that are going to be willing to pay him more and give him more of a role than the Titans would give him now.
1: Gotcha. Well, all right. Um, we plan on expanding our Titans talk more and more throughout the season. Uh, Max writes for Titan sized com Along with PredLine. So he's a one-two punch when it comes to covering the Nashville teams, Preds and Titans. Yep. Um, so we're going to be expanding our Titans talk more and more because we know that we have a lot of Preds fans. They were also Titans fans. So we are widening our scope on this podcast. We're always going to be a primary Preds podcast. But also, as we've been telling you guys in the last few episodes and getting ready for this, we're also going to be doing more and more Titans talk. And Max is going to be our guy on that. He's going to be leading the way there. So it's been an awesome episode to get us back in action. Um, Been great. This has been episode 221 of Catfish on Ice. Uh, Preds will take on the Kings tonight on Thursday. And then they get the Sharks this weekend. Did touch on this. The Preds have a little bit of what you would call a softer part of their schedule right now, which – It's hard to say ever in the NHL. You can never go off what's on paper. But they're playing a lot of current non-playoff teams in the coming days. The Sharks, they got the Ducks on the schedule. They got the Senators on the schedule. They've got the Wild, who are obviously up there with the Preds. My point is the Predators will have an opportunity if they play their best game and they continue to bottle up what they've done the last two games to be be on a winning streak heading into the trade deadline. I'm just throwing that out there based on paper and what matchups they have coming up. Obviously, the Kings is not going to be an easy game. But overall, in the next – I think they have eight games left before the trade deadline. There's some winnable games. There's some opponents who are very far out of the playoff picture that the Preds should be able to beat if, and that's a big if, they play their game. So we'll see what happens. Um, but until then, thanks for joining everybody. This has been Catfish and Ice with Chad Minton and Max Greenberg, brought to you by DraftKings, promo code THPN. And we are on YouTube. Hit subscribe. We're on Spotify and all the major podcast platforms. Thanks for watching. We love all of you. Take care. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. See you guys later.